What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm very excited for the guests that I have on today. Uh, he and I have gotten a chance to connect over social media, as most of us do, but I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think it's going to be very helpful for uh, not only me, but also uh, dads out there. So Zach Blakeney has joined me on Dad Up. Thank you very much for joining me, brother. It's my honor, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for my guests who may not know who you are, I mean, obviously you and I have got a chance to connect a little bit, um, but let's kind of dive into the back history of you, kind of how you grew up, and then obviously how you transitioned into uh, the things you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So I had the privilege, now I say the privilege, of growing up in a military family. Uh, so my father was in the Army. Uh, he was in the army for 24 years before he retired, uh, then still worked as a civilian. So the man was dedicated. Uh, with that being said, at the time, as I was growing up, you know, as an army brat, we moved around a lot, right? We moved around probably every three to four years from different stations. And through that process, it was um, difficult, right? It was difficult to pick up and move. But, you know, what I would say, the more difficult parts about it was, you know, making new friends and then going to new schools and doing these things. Uh, but I'll tell you what I can really look back on now with a greater appreciation for, which is the fact that it molded me pretty much to be able to adapt to change very quickly. Also, it helped me to be able to connect with all sorts of different people from different backgrounds and cultures, you know, from all around the United States. You know, there are different cultures in the United right. States, right? Northeast, Southeast, you know, the whole thing. So uh, it was really interesting. And what I really started to understand once I became an adult was that change didn't bother me as much. Like, it was just like, oh, this is going to happen. Okay, this is going to happen. I was able to push through those change cycles. And we can push through the change cycles. You know, ultimately, you're going to get to where you want to get to at a faster rate when we accept the change rather than resist it. Now, with that, I, I didn't really have any, like, I mean, everybody has some form of trauma, you know, growing up. You know, people like to think trauma is something super severe or something like that. But we all have something that isn't authentic to us once we find out who we authentically are. So we could categorize that as trauma, right? Uh, for me, my parents didn't show a lot of like loving affection to each other. Uh, you know, it's kind of just like the most I ever saw, I think after I was 12 was them holding hands and like a pet kiss, you know, so there wasn't a lot of loving affection. Um, and with that, I didn't really observe what that was. So like, as a child observing in a relationship, that was something that I kind of lacked with expressing love, especially when I started to, you know, meet women that had different upbringings and different expressions of love and everything else. So I started to see a big gap in that way. And then another thing that happened to me, I had no fault to my parents whatsoever, is that I was raised during a time where we moved from AOL internet <laughs> to dial-up to broadband internet in 2000, and I happened to be 14 years old, and we happened to have a computer. Uh, so I found myself uh, diving into pornography. You know, mm -hmm. with high-speed internet came a lot of video pornography and mass uh, rates of it as well. And, uh, you know, I would get on and I would watch it and I would do my thing. And my parents did their best to put the porn blockers on and site blockers and stuff like that. I was a, I'm a smart kid. Like, I was a smart kid. I could figure things out. Uh, but ultimately, that ended up into an addiction, a very damning, net damaging addiction for me that lasted all the way until I was 30 years old. Oh, wow. 
uh, something that uh, really incarcerated me inside of myself and caused a lot of anxiety socially, uh, a lot of anxiety in the bedroom uh, with intimacy. Uh, and then if anybody is familiar with addiction, it's not just about the addiction. It's also about the behaviors around the addiction to hide the addiction. So a lot of dishonesty, um, a lot of controlling, a lot of manipulation of other people, um, not necessarily to intentionally hurt them, but to hide the addiction from them so they didn't see uh, this part of me. Um, so I got married when I was 27, uh, was with her for about five years. We ended up getting divorced. Uh, we got divorced amidst me uh, coming out about my porn addiction and then all of the back, you know, the back end lies, so to speak, that led up to that point, a lack of trust. Uh, but ultimately, that was the end of everything that I thought I wanted and the beginning of everything that I actually wanted as I transitioned and transformed into the man I am today. Hmm. Well, you know, <clears throat> something that uh, my guests may not realize, but, uh, you know, uh, Zach isn't a dad. Uh, and the, the reason that uh, I wanted to have him on is because he works with a lot of dads and he works with um, with men on, on how to be better dads. Um, and so we kind of you know, have some similarities there. That's one thing that I, I try to do. And, you know, dads are really dealing with uh, various levels or various things as far as addictions go, uh, whether it's drugs or alcohol, gambling, mm -hmm. uh, or like you, um, pornography. And one of the things that I dealt with as a dad myself is I had an addiction with alcohol. Uh, you know, I'm a military guy myself. I, I was in the Marine Corps for four years. And uh, you know, I like to, I like to tease when people ask me, how was the military, how was your military experience? And I said, well, they taught us three things. They taught us how to kill. They taught us how to cuss and they taught us how to drink. Uh, so those are the things that I learned in the military. Um, so for me, I came out of the military, um, you know, I, what I thought was, was just an average drinker. Um, my kids grew up with me, you know, having, uh, an issue. And, um, I talk about it a lot on my show, but I had an experience with, you know, I grew up in a household that was, uh, an alcoholic family. Um, my, both my parents were, were drinkers. And, um, so I, you know, seeing my boys growing up in that atmosphere or that environment, um, I knew that because I grew up in that environment, I didn't want my boys to grow up in that environment. So this month, actually this month, 13 years ago, I decided to, uh, to call it quits and I stopped drinking. So, um, and I did that for my kids because I didn't want them to grow up in that, in that environment. So for you, the reason I share that is for you, you're working with a lot of dads. So let's talk a little bit about that. How are you working with dads and, and helping them become not only better men, but also better business owners and better fathers or maybe husbands as well? Yeah, so I work with them in two different ways. Uh, normally, I work with either entrepreneurs that are men, right? They're building a business and scaling their business. Uh, but then uh, I'll work with them in helping scale their business and simplifying it through actually consciousness, which is the main point that I teach. Uh, and then also I work with them in life coaching. But even then, I end up working with a lot of entrepreneurs in the life coaching aspect of it because, you know, I have a saying that businesses don't have problems. People have problems and people run businesses. So ultimately, it's always a you thing, right, as the person. Uh, but with that comes a wide range of different uh, limitations that they might be experiencing. You know, porn addiction being one of the main ones. Uh, it's really when we start diving into porn addiction as a worldwide problem, you know, there are studies out. And of course, there are always studies that contradict studies and everything else. But one of these main studies that says about one in three men in the entire world are struggling with pornography in some sort of way, whether it's an addiction or whether it's something that they feel is limiting their, their ability to express and feel love. And we zoom out and we say there's 7 billion people in the world, right? You're talking about 2.5 billion people, right, that are struggling with this use. 
Well, one of the main reasons is that, you know, just as you know, as a former alcoholic, if you want to buy out, go get alcohol, you got to go to the store and buy alcohol. If I want to get drugs, I need to go find a drug dealer and get drugs. If I want to watch porn, it's on my phone. Right. And I can look at it immediately. So ease of convenience. Also, the actual emotional dopamine cycle of the addiction is so strong uh, because you're going from absolute ecstasy, right, to afterwards feeling some of the lower emotional states of guilt and shame. So this is a very hard addiction for people to get over uh, if they don't have the tools to really understand the process of what I call consciousness. And consciousness is just simply understanding the laws of the universe and really the nature of what I would call your soul, your spirit. And we have uh, this duality of inner conflict inside of ourselves where we seemingly have sometimes 20 different voices that are like, you know, telling us all these different messages and everything else. But really, you can boil it down to two voices. You have one voice that's coming from a place of fear and separation, which is our ego. You have another voice that's coming from a place of love and courage and inspiration and extension, uh, which is really your spirit, your soul. So when we learn how to diminish the thoughts that are coming from our ego and empower the messages that are coming from our soul, and this is over a period of time of awareness and understanding, your life starts to not only accelerate in the way that you would like for it to go when it comes to like the physical things that you might want or the relationship and things like that, but you also achieve a emotional state of more inner peace, more love for yourself, more self-respect. Again, with that more courage to go off after the things that you want to go after. So one of the natures of our soul is something called free will. And it's my belief that we're born with it. That we were born with the free will to choose how we would like to live our life. But the problem is, is that most children don't know that they're born with free will. Right. Because we live in a society of expectations, agreements, and unconscious agreements. And I'll break those down. So, And also I'll break it down as it relates to free will. So when we talk about an expectation, which is this is one of the strategies that I teach a lot of my uh, men that I'm coaching that are actually really struggling with their children at some point or even with their marriage or even with their business because free will is like the primal thing to really understand in all of these things. That they're coming from a place of expectation with their children. I expect you to act a certain way. And when we do this, we're putting our belief system onto our children and then the expectation makes us believe that our belief system is right, is mm -hmm. correct, right? So with that, it's also infringing on the child's free will. And when we infringe on somebody's free will, there's a natural response resistance. I can do it for anybody. Here's an example. Has anybody ever told you that you couldn't do something? Right. Hey, I bet you can't go do that. First thing you think to your head is, I bet I can, and I'm going to go do it, right? Your free will has been infringed upon. So resistance is the first level that comes from that. So a lot of parents coach with expectations or not coach. Well, it is coaching, but right. you know, let's say let's say parent with expectations. And then when the child doesn't live up to their expectations, there's some sort of punishment for not living up to the expectation when the child was never actually asked whether it's their own expectation of what that is. So you can think about how not, this not only shows up in parenthood, but it, show, it might show up in your own communication with other people, right? If you're a boss inside of a company, it might show up in the way that you're communicating with the people that are your employees. So this to me is an ineffective way of parenting. It's also an ineffective way of coaching and getting the result that you have in mind that you would like to have for your child. The opposite point is agreements. 
And the difference here is that agreements respect the child's free will and it's a completely different way of, of including your children in their own personal development and their own growth. So if you're coming from a place of agreement, you would ask, hey, are you open? You ask your child, hey, are you open to this, whatever it is that you're proposing that you would like for the child to do, right? Are you open to not being on your phone after 6 p.m. for family time? Just by asking the child if they're open to that, you're now allowing the child to then choose whether or not that's something they want to agree to. And when somebody's free will is activated and they actively choose to do it, they now are also a part of creating the standard of behavior that you're trying to create for the child because you know the benefit for it, right? So even if you, you know, if you say, here, are you open to this agreement? And they say, well, I don't know. Well, then that gives you the opportunity to explain the benefits to the child of, hey, if you put it down after six, you get to have family time with us. I want to be able to connect with you, my child, in a very loving way. And this is how I feel love. What do you think about that? So once you get the agreement from the child, now not only do you have the child's will into it, but you also have a measure of accountability to hold to the child based off their word and not off of your agreement. Or not off, I'm sorry, not off of your expectation, right? Yeah, but let me ask you something. So, okay, I understand what you're saying, but if I'm a dad and I come to you, let's say you're you're working with me on, you know, my business and, and trying to make me, you know, a, a better person overall between business and family and such. And I and you start start talking about those things, whether it's in my business or also in my family. And I say, okay, Zach, I understand that, but when I talk to my kids, I don't think there should be. Um, a level of negotiation with my kids. It's essentially, because this is the way a lot of parents think it's my way or the highway, right? So how do, how do we overcome that when we're trying to essentially what you're saying, at least what I'm understanding is a sort of a level of negotiation with your child. How how does a dad overcome that? Well, one, you have to understand that when you're exacting an expectation and the way that you communicate it, you're coming from a place of fear. You have most likely, again, be open to the possibility that one, you're afraid that you might be perceived as a bad father if you don't do it in this certain way. And then also be open to the possibility that you're afraid for your child, right? The safety for your child, right? In in putting together these expectations, which ultimately I understand that, but every single time we put out fear into the universe, that's exactly what we attract back is some sort of fear-based response. Right. I can use this in a very simple example. You're afraid to have a conversation with your child. Right. I'll, I'll use an example of somebody that I worked with in the past. The, the man ended up leaving his wife and his child for another woman. He never had the conversation with his kid. His kid was like 16 years old. Him and his kid were best friends. He never had the conversation of explaining why he was doing what he was doing out of fear of not showing up in the way that his he thought that his son perceived him to be. So when he didn't have that conversation, what happened? The child, his kid created his own stories. His mom influenced him to say all these different things that were bad about his dad, which now his his kid had this same little like influence of understanding of my dad being a bad man because he was afraid to not have the conversation because he thought he might be perceived as a bad man. Your fear manifested either way. Now, whether you have the courage to have that conversation and go through the process, that's up to you. Now, what happened afterwards is they didn't have a a relationship for two years, but he kept sending him money. And I asked him, I was like, do you really think your your son wants money right now? What do you believe your son really wants? Just the conversation that you've always feared. 
So that's what I would say. Again, this is an example. So if you put this into the same way of being able to converse and communicate and talk to your kid and being able to not only explain, here's the behavior that I would like for you to agree to, but here's why, because most children want to know why. Why is this something that is really good for me? And what is your experience with this to tell me that this is a good experience for me to, or good standard of behavior for me to integrate into my life? And that's really the difference is that expectation doesn't, that exactly how you said it, do it how I say it, because this is how I do it. This is how to do it. Well, what is the, what's the, what's the explanation of why it actually benefits the child? So when you open yourself into agreements, you have the opportunity to offer a, a something to negotiate with, but then you also have the opportunity to offer the reason why, based off maybe your own personal experience, or maybe you've witnessed something else happen to allow the child to truly understand this is important. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think it's important for parents to really understand that, um, you know, it's okay to have open conversations with our kids, right? We talk about, you know, you in order to really develop, I talk about a lot on my show, in order to really develop that bond, you have to be able to have these conversations. And they may not be conversations that you're necessarily comfortable with. It may not be conversations that your child is necessarily comfortable with. But the fact that you're coming to them and talking to them from a very, um, from their perspective, or very level headed, um, way uh, kind of shows that, hey, I'm I'm here to support you and I'm here to uh, to help work through this issue with you, whatever it may be. Um, so let's kind of dive into a little bit of that when it comes to maybe addictions. And I'm not necessarily talking about um, pornography, but it could be any kind of addictions because our kids today are exposed to so much more than what you and I were exposed to when we were kids. Um, that, and, and things are so much easier for them to get a hold of. Uh, if I come to you as a dad and say, Hey, you know, Zach, I'm hoping maybe you could kind of help me through this. Uh, how do I, how do I talk to my kids about something that they may be struggling with or addicted to? It could be something as simple as video games. You know, I can't get my kid off the dang video games. So how do, how do we, uh, how do we talk to our kids about that kind of stuff? Well, the first thing, and this is this is not only for children, but this is for anybody who wants to truly create their life, is that you have to start with a strong why. Like, what is your why? Mm -hmm. So that you can have willpower towards that why. So if a child is in the middle of video games or whatever it is that addiction, and my definition for addiction is that it's simply the search of fulfillment outside of yourself. And that's a never ending search, right? So you're searching for something and then you attach yourself to a substance or a game, or whatever it is. Ultimately, it leaves you in the same place. So allowing your kids to really, allowing their imagination, right, to unfold and not diminishing their imagination, not saying, oh, that's not real, or, hey, you need to have more of a realistic look at life, or whatever else. Imagination is creation. Once we become adults, we call it visualization. It's the same thing, right? So, so being able to really speak with your children and say, hey, what is your why? What is something that really lights you up? What's something that really feels purposeful to you at a younger age allows them to have that mapped into their own subconscious program that this is something that's important for them to be able to attach themselves to in their life to live a purposeful life. So I always say there's a magic question and the magic question is simply, what do you want, right? What do you want? And if you can have your children answer, what do you want? And what they want when they're eight is gonna be different than what they want when right. they're 10, right? And then have that as a goal of what they want and then start uh, reverse engineering the behaviors that get them to what they want. Then again, you're creating it not only not only a goal, but you're also creating the action plan towards the goal of what they're saying they're doing. And if you can start orienting your children at a very young age to be goal setting and having goals that are more purposeful into their heart, then that's how they're going to go out into the world. 
Because guess what? How we learn as kids is not how we learn as adults. And it's really sad that that's the case. Right. As kids, we learn through something called pedagogy. And that's simply that content that we learn content and then we take a test on the content. As adults, it's andragogy, which means that content or experiences teach us. It's completely backwards. <laughs> so right. if you can actually start implementing ways in which you can say, hey, this experience is teaching you something and learn how to integrate what it's experiencing, you're setting yourself, your child up for success as an adult besides the broken system that we have in the education system that doesn't really do this. Yeah, um, I think you're right. And I think that's um, something that uh, is super, super important for parents to really um, teach their kids is uh, about goal setting. And I think that could really help them not only in, you know, whether it's dealing with um, addiction, but also, you know, the more that they're uh, used to setting goals and then building a plan to achieve those goals only sets them up for success later in life because they'll kind of subconsciously, they'll have that down and they'll understand how to do those things um, as adults for when they do get into, whether it's, you know, entrepreneurship or whether they're working for a company or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I think that's so true. My boys, uh, you know, are 23 and my younger son's about to be 21 this month, but they are very, um, they have this way about them where they understand how to goal set and how to plan to, to achieve their goals. And it's something that, you know, as a, as a dad, my wife and I both, um, as parents, we kind of instilled that in them at a very young age on, on how to accomplish those goals, whether it was in sports or their school, their grades, things like that. Um, so I think that's very important for parents to really understand. And I think not enough parents themselves uh, understand how to set goals and how to develop plans around those goals, whether it's short-term plans or long-term plans. Um, and that's something that you help dads with, correct? Yeah. And that, that leans back on two other things that I was just saying. One, the addiction being the search for fulfillment outside of themselves, right? Well, you're creating fulfillment inside of themselves, right? You're allowing them to do so. And then when you implement it in a way of an agreement, right? Oh, here's your goal. Okay. That we've agreed. This is it. Cool. This is what I believe based off my knowledge as a parent and as an adult of how you could get to this point. Here's action step one, here's action step two, here's action, and have an agreement on each action step. Now, again, the child's free will is now included in the agreement. And now you are completely within your right to hold them accountable to their greatness. And that level of accountability, that's how I end every single thing. Okay, we've agreed. Literally, if you're going to do this, do the agreements and then recap the agreements. Okay, we've agreed that your goal is this. We've also agreed that you're going to do this, this, and this. Is that correct? Do you agree to this? Yes, I agree to this. Okay, also, are you in agreement that I'm going to hold you fiercely accountable to your agreement? Do you agree to that? Yes, I agree to that. You're in like what resistance, the only resistance you're going to feel is the resistance of the child of imposter syndrome or that unworthiness, which is actually where you get to work in now. Hey, man, you agree to this. Why are you resisting this? What's going on? Right. Right. Let's talk about this. Let's dive a little bit deeper. One of the things that men and this is a societal thing as we're moving into from this this hyper masculine society into a feminine society is that we're not really in touch with our emotions, emotional intelligence and emotional literacy. Emotional emotions create action every single time, right? Every single time. It's not the thought, it's the emotional attachment to the action that creates the actual, um, to, that creates it to happen. And that's really the problem. Like when I was using the, the explanation of the story of the, the dad that had talked to his son in two years, the problem was, is that he was telling him the objective right. without letting him know the hurt and the pain and the feelings that he had inside about himself and what he had done. That's what his son wants to hear. And that's what your children want to hear. They want to know the emotional connection because the emotional connection, when they're emotionally invested, they will take action from that space. 
And expectations have no emotional investment. It's a do what I say and do it now. And that is all objective. And you're not giving them anything of, of substance to hold on to, to take action from. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. And I think a lot of dads struggle with finding um, their true emotion within themselves and how to, how to interpret that or how to, how to, how do you, I guess, speak that uh, to their kids, not only to their kids, but to the, maybe to their spouse as well. And uh, one thing that I, I mention a lot about um, when I talk to dads is that, you know, I hear dads say, you know, to their kids, they'll say, you know, you made me angry when you did that. Well, no, the kid didn't make you angry. You made yourself angry. That's yep. you're in charge of your own emotions. Your kids is not in charge of your emotions. So how you react or how you respond to things um, is based on who you are and, and it's, you're responsible for that. Your child is not. And the same thing with your spouse, you're, you, yeah. you could tell your spouse, you know, you made me very upset when you did that, or you made me very upset when you said that, no, I didn't make you upset. You made yourself upset. So it's how you yeah. decided to respond to it. So let's talk a little bit about emotions, because I think that's super important for dads to really understand dads are not in tune with their emotions, not enough dads are anyways, and they don't really fully understand it. So how do we, as dads, and when I'm speaking, I'm speaking when I'm talking about dads in particular, how do we as dads understand how to get, how to not only understand our own emotions, but how to control them or how to respond to them? Yeah. So first of all, this is, I'm going to go and say this, that this is also a part of a self-discovery process. You have to, to get to self-mastery, you have to go through self-discovery. So right. if you haven't gone through the process of self-discovery, self-awareness to get to self-mastery, and inside of this, this is all about, you know, healing from trauma, uh, getting rid of what I call the illusionary thoughts in your mind that are coming from fear, again, allowing your spirit to take the rightful place and being uh, the control of your mind and your body. Your mind and your body are just tools for the soul to navigate life in the way that you want it to. And if you let your mind take control, you will, right? chaos and suffering is coming. Like that's it, right? So there, there's a process and a strategy of understanding who the real you is. Now, without going through that process, some very simple things to do is become aware of your body, your emotional body. If you could just simply say, oh, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable in my stomach area. And you don't know, you know literacy, you don't know what it is, but I'm feeling uncomfortable. Well, the thought that you're thinking is causing your body to emotionally respond in a way that feels uncomfortable. So that's the first thing you could do is in tune to, okay, I don't feel comfortable. Like my body feels this like really icky feeling. What am I thinking about that's creating my body to respond this way? Because all the body is doing is signaling to you, in my opinion, hey man, I'm not what you're thinking about. I'm not that. Like the, the, this is the soul expressing itself through the body to say, hey, you're saying that I'm a you know POS or that I'm a bad dad and I'm not that, right? That's, that's an illusion. That's what's creating you actually showing up as a bad father. <laughs> Right. So let's start looking at that. So if you could just get in tune to your emotional body and the response on the inverse, if you're thinking about something that's inspiring or loving or everything else, your body feels really light, right? It's, it's a great response back. It might even vibrate at some point if you really have a really profound thought inside of yourself. So if you can get in tune with that, that would really help. Now there's, there's a two, two emotions that, that dads typically do not want to admit that they're feeling one is guilt and the other one is shame, right? And these two emotions, when suppressed, also have an emotional response of anger and then repressed anger. Now, if you have repressed anger, repressed guilt and repressed shame that's inside of your body, you are going to respond from those areas. And those areas are very, th those areas are only destructive. There's nothing that good can, good that can come from these areas. So the, again, the, the self-discovery and self-awareness process is learning about why do I feel shame? Have I felt shame my entire life? 
because it's been mapped into my subconscious based off my childhood upbringing all the way until I was an adult is guilt the same way and anger being the response. I've not, and most men have not been shown a safe way to express anger. And there is a safe way to express anger. In in my way, I say two different ways. One, you can go ahead and express it out on a punching bag. That's why I do everything right. to be honest with you. It helps me. But two, when you can balance anger, anger becomes something that actually helps you serve others and take action in a much higher way. Anger is what gets you out of complacency and into taking action when it's channeled in the correct way. Because you can actually say, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to start changing. And that's normally a lot of people's awakening point where they have an awakening point. They don't know what they're awakening to. They just know that they're awakening to, damn, I really don't like my life right now. And I'm angry about that. And now let me go out and look for a different way of living so that I can really be happy with myself. But again, we haven't been taught how to express anger in this way. So instead we repress it and then it comes out in passive aggressive behavior. It might end up coming out in being physically uh, harmful towards a wall, right? Maybe, and, and then again, it could be a physically harmful thing towards another person. And that's where it gets really dangerous when we don't heal from these things that are holding us back from being our authentic self. Let's talk about self-care because I think kind of what you're touching on there is really you're talking about self-discovery and and actually you're I mean you're kind of you're talking about learning how to love yourself right uh, and yep. not a dad not a lot of dads really understand that first you have to learn how to love yourself and you have to learn how to take care of yourself because if you can't do those things then you're not going to be 100% invested in your family and other things will start to come out whether it's anger or you know resentment or guilt those kind of things will start to kind of resonate or kind of come out uh, uh, towards your family so let's talk about self care because i think it's really important for dads to understand that in order for us to really be 100% invested in our family in the right way we have to learn to love ourselves and take care of ourselves first that has to be first so how do dads really understand or how do dads really start to implement strategies to take care of themselves first? Yeah. So as what you're saying, to be a better servant, you have to serve yourself first, right? I mean, that that is the rule number one of being the best servant that you can. And sure, there's going to be times, and again, I've worked with plenty of dads that have hectic, they're, they're entrepreneurs for one, right? right. So they're already, they're not in the 40 hour work week anymore. You know, they're doing 70 hours because it's what they choose to do. But then also taking care of their children and taking care of themselves. You have to be a master of time. Time is here for us to learn how to use it wisely, not to be victimized by it. And every single time somebody says, I don't have time, you're saying that you're being a victim of time. It, you are limiting yourself in that own way of saying it, right? So you have to become a master of time. And the first thing I always do with my guys is the first thing at place I have them go is like, look at your screen time. We're going to go there first because the phone is the biggest time waster is the number one distraction for anybody in here. And I believe that it was created sure as a way to connect, but it was also created in a very devious way of a way to distract you from being who you actually are and to be influenced by outside sources to again, be something that you're not. So you got to start looking at the amount of time that you're spending on it because most of the time when we're not using our phone for business, we are using it in a subconscious way that isn't helping us at all. Right. And, and on average, it's four hours a day. On average, it's four hours a day. So now think about what you could do with two of those hours, right? right? Three of those hours, whatever it is, not only to connect with your kid, but really you only need an hour and a half or two hours of self-care during the day. And this doesn't have to be in the morning. This could be spread throughout the day for you to be optimized in what you're doing. And then knowing the things that are, 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 are going to work for you. 
right? So like my morning routine is it's a breath work and then it's meditation and then I'm, I'm hitting on the boxing bag. Um, and then normally I get my work day started. And then at the end of the day is when I do a journaling contemplation and I go to the gym during the day. That's what I do. But I don't tell my guys to go and do my routine, right? I say, okay, what, what really lights you up? What makes you feel like you're really serving yourself? Let's put this into a structured routine. And if you just wake up in the morning, get up out of bed, get going on your day immediately, right? The first hour of your day, if you're super productive, that productivity will now will carry over into the rest of your day and everything that you do. Yeah. Um, I think for my talking about myself in particular, you know, one of the things that I do struggle with is time. Uh, and I say that I struggle with it because uh, I've had to learn over the years uh, and it's something that I've talked to dads about, but I've had to learn over the years how to schedule and how to put things on my schedule. Because typically if things are not on my schedule, they either will um, interrupt something else that is on my schedule or they won't get done at all. And I think it's very important for dads to understand that, hey, we have to not only schedule time in our business, schedule time for us, but we have to schedule time with our family as well. Uh, yeah. So for me, you're talking about, you know, your kind of your routine for me, when I have things that I, I have a particular day that's going to be super busy, if I have to get up an extra half an hour early in order to get my own personal time in, then I'll do it. Um, I sacrifice a little bit of sleep in order to get that extra time in and dads, you may find it, you know, time during the actual morning, early morning, when no one in the family is up yet, that may be a perfect opportunity for you to really dive into self-care, whether it's working out, journaling, um, it, just meditating, things like that, getting up an extra, even, it could even be as simple as 20 minutes early, uh, earlier every day, just to get in that extra self care for you, uh, will better serve you throughout the day. And if you compound it over a year, imagine how much better you'll be a year from now than where you started from today. Um, so yeah. I think you're absolutely right when it comes to uh, time is really the, I, I guess you could call it the thief of who we are as people and our self-care time. We use time as a, as a, as a crutch or as a uh, hurdle to get over. And really it's, it's about you and who you are and trying to figure out that, uh, how to schedule that time. So um, yep. Yeah, I absolutely uh, agree with you. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, if people wanted to look you up, if if dads wanted to reach out to you, things like that, what's the best place for them to do that, Zach? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. Actually, all my social media outlets is Zach Blakeney. It's my name. Luckily, nobody has it. So there you go. Um, also, if you want to check out uh, the website, it's uh, www.creatorscontext.com backslash coaching options. Uh, on there, you can find either the entrepreneur, if you're you know, a man that's building your business uh, and also wants to go through this process as there. Also, life coaching is there. Um, so that's really the best place to find me. I've been on plenty of podcasts. If you want to Google my, my name, you want to find some other stuff about me. Um, but I will tell you, uh, anybody that's listening right now, you know, if you just like send me a, a DM and it says data then I'm going to know that you come from this podcast and anything and everything is open for questioning. I don't hold anything back with that. So if you have any questions or any reflections, I'm happy to be of service for you. Uh, I appreciate that, Zach. Um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's great. And listen, for for those of you that do want to reach out to him, he does he does respond to his DMs very very uh, 
rather quickly. So um, yeah, that's the best place to rent it for to reach him. Uh, please do that. But to make sure you guys are checking out this episode, um, his episode, this episode, and as well as his website. Um, Zach, I'm really glad we got a chance to talk, and and I'm looking forward to continuing this friendship, brother. I am as well, man. Like I said, it was an honor to be on your show, Brian, and I'm just grateful for you. Thank you, man. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. Uh, guys, listen, make sure you guys are checking out what Zach's doing. Go to his Instagram. He's got a lot of content on there uh, of the things that he's doing. Make sure you guys check out his website. Um, but uh, Zach's a really good guy. Uh, he comes from a place of love and he wants to make sure that you are being better for you and not only for your business, but maybe for you personally or for your family. So make sure you guys are checking him out. And then obviously make sure you guys are subscribing to my channel so you don't miss any of the guests that I have on. And uh, I want to thank Zach again for being on the show. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, make sure you guys check out this episode. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Data. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast. Podcast.